Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Jordan is on best. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Corn Rose Podcast. I am your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. Of course, share this with people on social media. Tag me in it. Tag tag Tom in it. Tag whoever in it. That you know what? That's that's awesome. It spreads the word. Always appreciate that. Um, I'm excited to be this is kind of a little bit off the beaten path because we don't have a game coming up against the Pistons for, I believe, two or three weeks. So we'll probably talk again then if you have time. Um, but I'm psyched to be joined by Lazarus Jackson of over at Detroit Bad Boys. And also he runs his own pod as well on Blue Wire, uh, Detroit versus everybody. So uh, first of all, Lazarus, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh it is weird that we don't play each other for a I while. I know. Right? It, we did still like, play Andre Drummond for the first two games, and we lost both that, of them. So see, it feels like the season is really just back in true form. So There you go. Miles Turner getting pushed out of the paint by Andre Drummond. That's how yeah, you know the season a, started. Yep, It's but the no, gift it, that keeps on giving. So It definitely feels like the Pistons and Pacers play each other all the time around Christmas. I was reminded the other day by uh, a follower who was like a, a bit of like a Pistons historian mm-hmm. that the Pistons, uh, the Pistons and Pacers have like an infamous uh, game. The Pistons first game without Josh Smith was a victory against the Pacers. Wow. Yeah. Cause there wasn't there like a short, like I think after Josh Smith got waived, there was a, uh, the team was oh, like yeah, over like 500 a, for like, yeah, they went on like a, like a seven, a run. Yeah. <laughs> like immediately after. Dude, see, it's so sad to me too, because like, Atlanta Josh Smith was one of my favorite players to watch growing up. He was so good, but yeah, yeah, it happens, man. Uh, that was a t- tough times, tough times for our guy. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess that's kind of what we're talking about today. We're not talking exclusively about Josh Smith, but um, you know, on your pod that you were doing with, I think it was Jeffrey Ballone. I might be wrong. I can't remember his name. It was it might actually might have been Alex something. It's the dude from the Knicks. I cannot remember. Oh, I'm Kyle, terrible Kyle with Maggio. Names. Yes, Kyle Maggio. Apologize to Kyle. Uh, really enjoyed that pod. I'll link that for people. But this kind of got me thinking um, about how you know team building is just so different in in markets. And I, I I try not to like bang the small market drum, but I think I have to sometimes because people are so annoyingly bang the big market drum, or just more like the you have to do things this way or you're stupid drum, uh, mm-hmm. which. John Hollinger, um, like the, exactly. I, I mean, yeah. uh, Pistons fans are very mad, incredibly John smart Hall- guy. Hollinger. But it's funny because the more that I've like really thought about what Detroit's done uh, in the off season and like headed into the year, like I don't think it's as bad as people are putting it out. Like I actually think there have been some good things. Like I originally, when when Jeremy Grant got signed, I was more just like, huh, I did not expect that. But I still think it was a smart signing. Like I don't know where you're at with that. Like I think. 
Um, it's definitely a risky play, like the idea of putting the ball in Jeremy Grant's hands. And just from I haven't been able to watch any of the preseason games yet, more because I haven't really been inclined to. Um, but I know he's he's averaged more uh, turnovers than assists currently, which is yeah. you know so uh, that's kind of what I was expecting with putting the ball in his hands more, but. I really thought about it too. And I'm like, I think James Edwards put it out. I almost just said James, but I was like, not everybody on this positive know that. Um, but I mean, you and I both know James like decently well. So like, um, well, I mean, he's put out like, think of it like this. Okay. If the, if Blake Griffin is good, which he, James has definitely been banging the drum of Blake Griffin's going to be good this year. And I would agree with that. Um, and I hope so. Cause he's on my fantasy team. Um, but uh, if Blake Griffin is good, he is getting traded before the trade deadline. Like that is like unquestionable. James has reported that, has gone out of his way to say that. And, I mean, then Jeremy Grant's the four. Like, it's not really that hard to think about. So, and overall, I mean, he's just a good player. These could be a trade ship down the line or whatever, if you even thought of it that way. But, sorry, I'm yeah. ranting. No, what, no. What were no, your no, thoughts good. on the Jeremy Grant signing? So, and, I think the the main thing with the Jeremy Grant signing is something that you, like, you just brought up, right? Like, Jeremy Grant makes a lot more sense on a Pistons team that doesn't have Blake Griffin on it, right? Yeah. And it makes – uh, we like we know that this isn't why Blake Griffin was brought into Detroit, right? He was brought to Detroit to help them compete for the playoffs, like maybe win a playoff series that ended up not happening. And so, you know, now the team is rebuilding. The team is heading in a different direction. Like, does he still want to be on this team? Um, I think if you if you gave him like a choice, like he wouldn't want to be here. But in the meantime, I think he's committed himself to showing up healthy you know, helping out the young guys, being like a voice and a leader in the locker room, which is something that's sorely needed. Um, and that like that makes him valuable. And now he's also getting a chance to show the other 29 teams like, hey, I'm fully healthy. I'm worth trading for. Get me to a situation where like we can make a playoffs and like I can help you out. Um, and in that case, like when that happens, and I fully expect that to happen in sometime this season, Jeremy Grant takes over as the starting power forward and like things start to fall into place a little bit more. Um, the other thing with Jeremy Grant, though, is that for a lot of Pistons fans, Jeremy Grant's main problem is that he's not Christian Wood, right? Yeah. A lot of people really enjoyed the Christian Wood story. Christian Wood's really fun to watch. Um, a guy who like shoots, you know, you know, high thirties from three and dunks everything in sight and just like has a lot of highlight plays. Like fans loved watching that guy. And so a lot of fans, I think, correctly, somewhat correctly, like see the Pistons essentially chose to pay Jeremy Grant over Christian Wood. And they're like, why Christian Wood could score 25 points a night easily. And Jeremy Grant, like, doesn't, can't so far. And uh, for that, like, that's that's not Jeremy Grant's fault. But, like, also I think Jeremy Grant in being a better defensive player and having a more legendary work ethic than Christian Wood, not to say that Christian Wood had a poor work ethic in Detroit. I know that's something that you know, was brought up as part of his like, you know, Phoenix like rise from the ashes that, you know, he had fixed his work ethic and everything. And I do want to stay like, yeah, like Christian Wood was great in Detroit from a team perspective, but like Jeremy Grant has like a, a better work ethic than Christian Wood. That's no shade to Christian. And so just through that being better defensively, and just like not being as uh, having more positional fluidity than, than Christian Wood, it makes him a more versatile player. Um, and does that make him more valuable? Like maybe, probably. Uh, if the Pistons were like trying to win a playoff series, like you could make a case that Jeremy Grant's better than Christian Wood. 
but uh but since they're not it gets it's it's hard to uh it's hard to like properly convey like all this invisible stuff when fans just see like christian wood dropping 27 and 10 in like 20 minutes or whatever he did last night they're like why why did you just pay that guy so that makes it that makes it tricky but like yeah i mean on the whole though like i want i'm fine with giving jeremy grant the space to try and figure some stuff out offensively because if he can like then he's like an amazing player, right? If he you combine the the defense he played last year in the playoffs with a guy who can create his own shot, uh, maybe not necessarily like make plays for others, but still just like efficiently create shots in the mid range and still be a, a lethal catch and shoot three point shooter. Like that's a really really good player. That's a player you would like love having on your team. That's a player you would love having your. Uh, some of your rookies long uh, learn from and some of your future, your future rookies learn from. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I'm fine with it. It's, it's the slight overpay for sure. Um, but the other thing that we saw from Troy Weaver this off season, is he's not big on, he's not big on value, right? He's big on getting the guys he wants. And so he's not willing to pay uh, play like the red paperclip chain game of like acquiring all the second round picks and acquiring like multiple first round picks. Like, no, you just, he wants his guys, and that's that's a scout's mentality. And you know, at his heart, Troy Weaver's a scout. So it kind of just you you have to hope that that mentality uh, bears fruit, and you have to hope that he identifies correctly the the, the right guys, because otherwise his his strategy is not going to work. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it is it is a much different rebuilding strategy than we've seen around the league, and I think that's why people are having such trouble kind of absorbing what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really great point. And I think, too, like, I really liked what you said about Jeremy um, and potentially growing because, like, I personally, I don't see it. And I know I, I don't know if you feel the same way. Like, he's it's, already done has, so much to grow as a player. Like, yeah. I mean, because he went from I mean, he was just a tremendous athlete coming out of Syracuse in a second round pick. Um ended up being somehow like the best process sixer, which is kind of crazy to really look back at. There was a time when I thought it was going to be Tony Roten, uh, poor Tony Roten's knees. Um, damn. Though, have you ever, just as a side note, have you ever watched like that? Uh, somebody, it was a Sixers fan who made like a montage video of all of the players who played on the Sixers and got cut um, no. by the end of their time. Oh, it's like sounds, 50 or 60 long. guys. It's yeah. like, it's like two and a half minutes long. Um, but I'll send that to you. It's really funny. Also kind of sad, but it just reminds me of a lot of like 60 overall guys in 2k. Um, but no, I mean like the idea, like Jeremy could grow into something and I think it's worth the gamble. Like screw it. We're going to be bad right now. So why don't we try and develop somebody while we're being bad? I mean, he's still kind of young. I think he's what 26, 25 or 26, somewhere around there. Um, it is a little murky too with Seku there, I guess. Like, I don't know. I mean, like I still think he's going to end up more of a four than a three, but he showed some stuff last year, but granted it's still like a guy who's good. That's ahead of him that can show him stuff. Yeah. And, um, and Seku's played better. In the yeah. Pre-season. No, I know in preseason he's looked good. He's, he's looked really good. And you have to think that like, you know, the type of player that Jeremy Grant was last year for the Denver Nuggets is a really close facsimile of what you would like, like the year two version of Seku Dumbuya to look like. And so it's it's very useful to be like, hey, like Jeremy Grant's doing that in practice. Like just just go do that, and you'll play and you'll have success, and uh, you'll be able to make twenty million dollars a year, you yeah. know. And so I, I think I definitely think that plays a role in uh, in like team construction for sure. Yeah, definitely. And so um, 
just to iterate for people uh, listening who haven't heard, um, what was it that John Hollinger wrote about about the Pistons? Or it doesn't have to be word for word, but like uh, he basically just uh, the the main thing that I remember that was just like John, like what are you talking about? Was he wrote that by by overpaying Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley, the Pistons had taken themselves out of you know being players in twenty twenty one free oh, agency. Yes. And it's like, John, like, who was going to sign here in 2021? Giannis anyway? to Detroit, yeah. It's like, like nobody. Like, we're not going to get a meeting with Kawhi. We're not getting a meeting with Giannis. Like, it, like no one's going to come here anyway. Like, why Why are we Why? Why are we going to be leveraged for, like, the next Fred Van Fleet, right? Just, like, if you're going to use your cap space to get good players, like, I, I don't really have an issue with that. It was just, like, it was just, it was just very uh, – is very interesting because like John John works at the athletic right like if he if he really wanted to know what was up with the Pistons like he could call up James Edwards and be like he could email James Edwards and be like hey like what is this team doing and yep. James who is as you know close to the ground as anyone in in, uh, in Detroit sports media could give him a better picture of like what of what the, the front office is thinking but instead, he was just like, I don't know what they're doing, man. Like, it, Jeremy Grant for, for $60 million, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, they're going to lose a lot of games. I don't get it. And, uh, and yes, it was just, it was just very, uh, it was very facile uh, analysis, which is not necessarily, like, what you expect from, uh, from the athletic or from a guy who, like, used to be in an NBA front office. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I mean, like, uh, it's it's interesting to me, too, because I think that's what I'm like getting at, you know, in terms of like the it's not even just big markets. It's just in terms of looking at not every situation is the same, you know, yeah. like you can't like De- Detroit, Indiana, um, like these are not no like having cat. There's a, OK, see, like this is my thing, like cap flexibility. Good. It's good to have a lot of like tiered contracts that are tradable or like movable because that's important. Um but having like, you know, trying to force yourself to have cap space for, for something like cap space, I think is like one of the most overrated things in the league. Like I think cap flexibility is more important. Cap space is nice if you can actually sign that guy. But I remember I was doing a pod talking about Chicago and like um, somebody mentioned something to me about Chicago having cap space for 2020 or I mean, not 2020 for 2021. And I'm like, okay, so what, you're going to re-sign Cristiano Felicio to like a four for 60? Like, and, and that's not trying to be rude, but it's just honest. Like it's, you, you have to use the cap space or you lose it. So like, or you don't lose it, but like, you, you know what I mean? But like, well, like um, the thing, the thing people always want you to do with cap space is like, okay, if you can't, is like, you have max cap space, you sign a max player. It's like, okay, we're, we're the Detroit Pistons. We can't sign max players. Like, what are we supposed to do? It's like, okay, well, now you're supposed to go find somebody who had a max player that they don't like anymore and, like, trade for that guy and take a bunch of, like, second round, first round picks and, and make that, like, the asset you've got. That's, like, the, the John Wall trade, the Al Horford trade. Um, you know, everybody wants to do basically what the Oklahoma City Thunder did this offseason. And, like, that, that, that is also a great idea. But the Thunder, A, are going to be really bad this season in a way that I don't know will benefit the development of some of the guys they already have on yeah. that roster. Um, B like at, at this point they have, I don't want to say they have, they don't have, they have too many first round picks. You run into this thing. This is what happened to the Celtics, right? After they did the, the swindle with the Brooklyn Nets. 
Um, like at the top, they got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like those were some excellent picks that makes the deal in and of itself like worth it. You get both of those guys for seven years. Like you get it, you open a championship window, like great job. But there were a litany of other first round picks, right? James Young, Fab Mello, like, yes. RJ Hunter, right? Like uh, Gershon Yabusele, right? Like, hey, don't just, speak ill on Gershon, man. Come on. He's biggest biceps in the league this past decade. So that's a... <laughs> But and like like even like a dude like Semi Ojale, right? Like a dude who's still on their roster, uh, a dude who's just been like completely blocked and stunted from development, um, because like they they don't have time to uh, to spend time like making this guy better when like uh, the Jalen Brown Jason Tatum thing like instantly opened a championship window, and so like Oklahoma City unless they consolidate and unless they they do something down the line, which is entirely possible something I wouldn't put out of the realm of uh, possibility for Sam Presti. Like they're not going to be able to develop like two and a half first round picks a year, right? Like no, nobody can do that. And so you, you have to start. And, and so like, that's the other thing you, they want you to do. You like, you can't keep doing that uh, incessantly without anything forever. And so like what the, the Pistons have done is I think like the, the third thing you can do, you, uh, you, use you consolidate some picks you get some guys you like you think you're like hey we're going to develop these four guys like maybe another guy a year for like the next three years and then we'll see what happens um and then and then we'll go from there our books are relatively clean we can we can't necessarily like combine anything and trade for the next uh disgruntled under 25 superstar like like oklahoma city could but uh but we're in a better place from an on-court product standpoint than like the Thunder currently are. It's just like, it's just a set of different objectives, like you said. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important, too. Like, being good is important. Like, if you're a shit team all the time, you can't really do a lot. Like, it's awesome that, like you're mentioning, I think it's such a good point with Oklahoma City. Like, I think we get so caught up with the asset that we don't even really think about the fact that that's a person like and I I don't mean that in terms of like people are like trying to think of it that way but I think like sometimes we just get like so caught up and then like okay well you have to think about the fact Alexi Pokashevsky has been the top player that he's and and every team he's ever played on and then same thing for Teo Maladon um, same thing for anyone who they draft in the first round for the most part that's going to be the case if you're drafting lottery guys they've almost always been the best player on their team so like 
that's it's something that I think is like so hard for people to understand and recognize. A lot of the times why guys don't work out in the league, it's not because, I mean, there are some guys who maybe they didn't try very hard or they didn't really understand how to make things work professionally. Um, but a lot of it is like guys have never been role players before. And then they come into the league and they're like, okay, well, you're the eighth best player on the roster and your ceiling is like the sixth best player on the roster. So figure that out. And like, that's a lot to like, I can't imagine being told that when I'm 19 years old. Like, I think we always discount that. So I think that's a really good point with Oklahoma city. And especially if you like, that's why I, I kind of don't want them to trade Al Horford um, or George Hill. Like you have to have veteran guys in the locker room who can like help you realize, okay, this is what you need to be doing or working on. Like if like, cause as the same thing with Philadelphia, like we're mentioning, like I'll tag that video in the description too. Like, they had so many guys not work out and like, yeah, the process worked, but was it really that efficient? Like they just like churned through so many picks to get to where they got. And they were left with now the only guys left in the process are Joel and Ben. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, did you, did you read the book on the process? Uh, I haven't read the book yet, but I it's, I've listened to is, everything he's done with like Zach and a couple other people, but like, yeah, yeah. I, it's the, on my to-do list. The book is very, very good. You should definitely give it a read. And it talks a lot about that that human side of all the, all of the basketball stuff. It talks a lot about how uh, all all the losing kind of eats away at your your basketball soul, for mm-hmm. lack of like a, a better term. Uh, it talks it talks a lot about how um, you how and, and like no one's doing this now, but, but how Sam Hinkie's relationships around the league deteriorated like to a point where it became prohibitive to do anything like, but what he was already currently doing. And so it's just, it's, it's a, it's a great look. It's a great book. I, I highly recommend uh, your audience, like checking that out. That's a great Christmas present, I guess. But, but, uh, but like even thinking about when you said like you're, you come in and you're drafted highly and you're eighth best, you're the eighth best player and your ceiling is the sixth best player. I'm thinking about like, like even like Josh Jackson, right? Who's on the Pistons now. He's drafted number four overall with the, with the thought that like him and Jason Tatum are going to be like the same type of like player. And like what we figured out like four years into his career is that like, no, Josh Jackson is just like a super turbo role player who shouldn't be counted on to create his own shot, but can do like a multitude of, of other things can, uh, is like figured out how to uh, play off ball. Always a pretty good playmaker. Just like that's not uh, that's not his main thing. And he's like really emphasized like what he can bring on the defensive end. And it's like, but the process of figuring that out for him took like two years in Phoenix, where he like wasn't getting the most amazing coaching in the world. Took him going down to the G League for like thirty five plus games last year in Memphis, um, and ultimately like brought him back to Detroit. Like that is that's a long journey for a guy who I think is like only twenty four years old. To, to be going through like that early in his career. And so like, yeah, like th- when you think about like the human cost of, uh, of losing a bunch, you think about like all the, the Josh Jacksons you, you don't hit on. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think like, I, I always, I don't want to say I get made fun of for this, but a little bit, I, I don't like saying the word bust just because I think so much of the stuff is environmental. Like a lot mm-hmm. of it is um, like, I mean, I think there are some guys you could drop anywhere uh, in the league and they just work and become who they are. Like LeBron, he's going to be LeBron just about anywhere. Uh, I think the same thing with Kawhi too. I mean, part of that, I mean, having 
the infrastructure in San Antonio, of course, that helps. So maybe he doesn't become quite the same player. But, um, I mean, like I look at TJ Leaf a lot in terms of – is he an NBA player? Hell no. And we I, I watched Oklahoma City's first preseason game uh, and still not an NBA player. Um, the problem, though, is like he got dropped onto the Pacers and – he uh, stuff came out afterwards, of course, that, you know, he did refuse to go on to G League assignments, but um, which is not great. But also like you, OK, you take this dude with the first round pick and then you never get him minutes in the NBA, like never get him consistent minutes. Like, I think that's right. like you can look at basketball reference at the end of the day and like, oh, well, he played like 500 minutes his rookie year. I'm like, OK, well, then siphon through how many games did he actually play in where he was part of the rotation and it wasn't a blowout. And it's like, I think I went through and I wrote an article on it after he got uh, got traded. And it was like, I think he played like in 11 games and played meaningful rotation minutes in his rookie year. Um, and so the, the first time that he actually got meaningful minutes in the rotation was the beginning of last year in his third year in the league. Like, again, not a good player. I don't think like just a lot of stuff happened where I don't think he would be a good player. Like he, he came in super skinny uh and you know his shot form totally changed as he put on muscle so that was like his one nba thing that he could do he can kind of rebound but like again he's just not good enough um but at the same time like you have to figure that stuff out earlier by actually playing guys and figuring things out so that's like if the pacers are you know they're not gunning for the playoffs um then maybe they find out earlier okay tj leaf is not someone we should be moving forward with um like I, I don't know that's the kind of the kind of environmental stuff that i think about a lot that i think a lot of people just discount and is really important to think of no for sure and you think about you know maybe maybe if tj leaf even if he was like a better nba prospect right if you put him in a situation where like hey uh you know we're gonna lose 60 games this year like is he learning the things that are going to make him an effective NBA player. Yeah. Like probably not. Right. Like, is he learning like team defense at a, at a good level? Like probably not. Is he, is he like, um, like what, what if, uh, is he learning like how to play an offensive role? If like the other three guys on the three, four guys on the court with him, like also don't know what their offensive role is like, probably not. And so like, you can get too few NBA minutes to learn if you're a rotation player, but you can also get like, you can get force fed a bunch of, uh, mm bad NBA minutes, right? You can learn the wrong thing. It can take time to, to unlearn some lessons that you're, you're taught earlier in your career. Like that's also not great for development, which is I think part of the reason why was uh, why what I'm liking with, with, uh, with what Detroit's doing so much, right? Like they're, they're very much like at every level, at every position, they have uh, established veterans who like know how to play basketball and are like, uh, they specifically selected four guys who uh, are willing to like share that knowledge with younger players and, and be effective in that role as well. And so you have like not only guys who are currently like out there like doing the right thing, um, but they're also like telling the, your younger players like, like what to be doing and how they can also do the right thing as opposed to just like throwing five 20 year olds on the floor and being like, go like do this, go figure it out and having them be like, uh, like, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, I mean, cause I remember my initial reaction to Mason Plumlee getting signed. I was like, that's a lot of money for Mason Plumlee. But at the same time, like we mentioned earlier, I wasn't really thinking through it. Like what is Detroit going to spend money on? They don't have to worry about rookie contracts for a couple years. Still like 
yeah, it's like a lot of money for Mason Plumlee, but he's still a quality player. Like he's been around the league for a while. He's been on good teams. He knows how to play. Like that's important. You know, yeah. there's a big difference between having him out there and like, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a good example. Like, I can't think of an example to be completely honest. So I totally just ruined my analogy. But I was gonna say like, just like, run uh, out like, like some like Nerlens Noel, right? Yeah. Like Nerlens Noel was another guy like I looked at as possible like free agent like center for the Pistons. And it's like no, this one was like he's he's like an okay like NBA like center, but like they played the Knicks and like was he in the correct position all the time? Like no, like was he the uh, was he like the effective like pick and roll threat that uh, that you always kind of hoped he would be? Like sort of, but like not really. He's always still kind of like rushing through things, and and when they had Mason Plumlee like speak at media day. He spoke like very eloquently and openly about how um, how all how what he had learned from the guards that he played with, right? Like he's played with Jamal Murray. You you think back a little bit. He's played with Damon CJ, right? And he's like, you know, these are what certain guys like to do. Uh, like I know Killian Hayes is like a really good pick and roll point guard, so like I need to learn what he likes to do. And then like once the defense starts countering that. I can tell him like, Hey, like, this is what, this is what the counters have been to what the defense is doing to that. And just like, keep on going down the line. This is what I've seen works. And, and like having a, a big man with like that, like institutional, like pick and roll knowledge is extremely useful for a 19 year old point guard who like didn't play college basketball. Right. So I, I, like I, and the other thing with Mason Plumley for me was that like, he's not that overpaid he's overpaid mm -hmm. by like a couple million not like insanely overpaid like aaron baines got like seven million serge Ibaka, who's better got like you know eight nine million um you know we look at uh who else who else got paid like bobby portis got like the room got like uh as part of the mid-level like is it's like eight million dollars is not uh yeah like a exactly it's contract. not like paying like you know 25 million to chandler parsons or something so it could right. be a lot worse um subtle john hollinger shade but um <laughs> yeah um no that no those, those are all great points and so that kind of brings me to our last thing that i want to talk about um you know you look at what's going on in utah right now and i think it's a really interesting thing to look at with rudy gobert um obviously Utah offered him the max and he declined it and wants the super max. And that's like, it's really difficult to look at that. And like, I don't know, I've been trying to think about it a lot the last couple of days. And I really don't have, I mean, I mean just the last day, cause I was yesterday, um, long day. Um, you know, I'm trying to really think about what, what would I do if I was in Utah's position or what can they do? Like, um, I feel like a lot of people, I haven't seen what John Hollinger wrote about. It, I'm sure I got to stop saying his name. I'm throwing so much shade at him. I'm not trying to, but um, I just know like that general type of basketball group think is like, well, you can't pay him the super max. Like he's not worth that. And I, I, I don't know. Like, I think it's, again, I'm not a GM. I'm not a front office person. So you can take what I say and you know, whatever, but you know, I think you look at it, what, okay, if you let Rudy Gobert go or you trade him away for stripped down parts or whatever, then Utah is what? Like lucky to be the eighth seed. And then, okay, well then why would Donovan Mitchell want to resign? And then if Donovan Mitchell's gone, what do you have in Utah? Like who's coming there in free agency? Like I'm not trying to shit on Salt Lake, but like I don't want to live in Salt Lake city. I, I mean, my mom lived there. I wasn't, she didn't like it. So um, yeah, you, yeah, Utah has, classically had trouble attracting free yes, agents. I wonder why that is. Um <laughs> there's a game I could point to from last year. Um, you know, I think 
Yeah, exactly. Russell Westbrook was involved. Not a great time. Um, you know, I think it, it's just that kind of stuff has to be taken account of, like yeah. account of, you know, like, and I think Rudy Gobert is like, personally, I think he's a top 15, 20 player in, in the league in terms of impact. Um, so I think I, just the way I look at it, they, sh- I, I don't know. It's hard for me to say, oh, they should pay him the super max, but like at the same time, like, okay, I'll just, I'll put it on you. What are your thoughts? Like, I feel like it, to an extent you do have to kind of pay in the super max and be like, okay, um, we're going forward with this team. We have to try and maximize what we're doing now because how are we going to be better than this? And I get that people will be like, oh, well, that's a losing mentality. I'm like, no, that's just being realistic. Like you have a top 15 player in Rudy Gobert. You have a player who's growing in Donovan Mitchell. If you trade Gobert, you're not going anywhere up from there, really. Like, yeah. I mean, you have to just like try and maximize and do like, I look a lot at like the late nineties Pacers. Like that team was in a very similar spot. They had a lot of really high quality players and Reggie was by far their best player. Um, but they really didn't have a superstar and they were always kind of like a just between being like a really good playoff team and being a great playoff team. Yeah. I mean, just like, I mean, Michael Jordan was always in the way there's always going to be that team or whatever, but I mean, if you're always there trying to be competitive and you can, you can build towards that and hopefully there's like some luck there, but I mean, you have to have luck to be a championship team, but I don't, I don't know where, what are your thoughts on that and kind of how that breaks out? Yeah. My thing with Rudy is like, it's probably, it's like, he is definitely like a top 15 player if only because like he's, one of the best defensive players in the league and insanely efficient offensively. It's like, yes, that's a very valuable player to have. My thing with Rudy is uh, it's probably not great to give him the supermax because he's like slightly older, right? Like you, you, those things become albatrosses. And we, from what we know about big men, they tend to drop off of their peaks faster. And so it's easier for a bad contract or it's easier for that contract to turn bad than it, uh, it, it is for for guards or for forwards like like uh you think about like damian lillard getting the supermax like he'll be like making like 50 million dollars and be like 37 in the final year of his deal but uh you know even if he's 37 he'll still be able to like make threes right when yeah. rudy gobert is 37 like he's not really going to be in he might not be able to jump so yeah yeah, like, yeah it's kind of a problem um so like what i think utah should do is they should do everything in their power to keep rudy happy um but if if uh, I don't think he I don't think he wants to leave Utah. I think he likes it there uh, a lot. Um, like I wouldn't give him the super max. I would continue to just offer him the max, yeah. and I would let him see what uh, other teams thought of his ability on, on the free agent market. And it's just like, hey, like you know, just make sure that we always get the last meeting. Like you you kind of owe us that much. So it's like any any offer any team makes, like will will match. No no team can offer you. No team is going probably going to offer you a, a super max like, uh, and so yeah, it's tricky. The and you think about like the the Jazz and free agency, as well, right? Like they they re-signed Donovan Mitchell on uh, on his extension on his post rookie extension, but they didn't get that like all important uh, fifth year yeah. uh, that that Boston managed to secure with Jason Tatum, right? Like they you think uh, Utah like they took the big swing on Mike Conley last year. And that has kind of worked out. Like they made the playoffs and everything, but Conley wasn't as effective as he'd been in the past. And he like his contract is going to be expiring. And so you you look at them and uh, they have the opportunity to shift what that team is like very quickly um, around like a Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert core. 
and still be pretty competitive, even a even in a Western Conference that's really tough. It's just like you you need to like actually, you know, once Mike Conley expires, uh, you need to like actually go out and like make that shift. The other thing you you think of with the Jazz is like uh, they've been good and they haven't been able to uh, draft like that that second guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is where and like this is a little bit of luck, but like you don't need you don't need a second Donovan Mitchell in the 20s, but you do need like a young like role player that's like eventually going to start for you. And they haven't managed to find that yet. And that that's going to be tricky. And that's something that uh, they're going to need to resolve if they want to remain uh, competitive. But yeah, like, and like ultimately like, yeah, like Rudy Gobert is like a defensive player of the year candidate perennially and like a what, two-time, three-time winner in the past, I think already. And so like, yeah, you know, he's worth, uh, he's worth a lot of money. You should pay him a lot of money, uh, despite the fact that you know there are. You should never pay any centers money because they're like running backs or something. Yeah, and see, yeah, and I totally like. I mean, I agree with that. That's kind of where it's at. But like, when you have a guy as good as him, like, yeah, I mean, you, I, I would definitely. I have to walk back what I said. I would not pay him the super max. I was not thinking about that. But max, yes, like definitely. I think he's worth it. But um, it's just an interesting conundrum. I wonder how people would talk about Ben Wallace if you were here today. Like, oh my! Oh my God! I can't the, imagine with, the discourse. Like, oh, we can't shoot free throw. Like, I think, I mean, Rudy's a better free throw shooter than Ben. Um, definitely not as good as Ben, in my opinion. But um, yeah, I mean, like, that's that would be interesting to see how people talk about that today. But yeah, I have no idea. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well. Lazarus, this was this was awesome, man. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Um, I actually it's worked out perfectly. I have like a couple minutes to eat before the Pacers game starts. But uh, what are you working on, or what's uh, what's going on in your life that you want people to know about? And any uh, anything you got to plug? So uh, we uh, we got the Pistons versus Everybody podcast that's uh, out on Thursdays. We got the Detroit Bad Boys podcast that's out on Mondays. Uh, I, you can find we're doing like season previews and player previews. You know, normal start of the season stuff over at Detroit Bad Boys. And so your audience can always go check that out. And then uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. To everyone listening, thank you for listening. Uh, Of course, go check out all of Lazarus' stuff. I'll have that linked in the description below. Um, Just have a good rest of your day. Thanks for listening.